Thanks for joining us at our Foothills Church podcast. We exist to help people find and follow Jesus. If you're new here, we'd love to connect with you at foothills.cc. We hope you enjoy this message. the name Chuck Swindoll, Charles Swindoll, he's a pastor, author, but he tells a story of several years ago in California where there was this man who was with a, a woman, they were going on a picnic date lunch, and uh, so they pulled up at a local uh, fried chicken kind of drive through restaurant, and they, they got their orders, they uh, gave the money, got their bag, you know, and drove off to their picnic site. They hadn't bothered to open the bag up till they got there. When they got there, Instead of finding their chicken dinners, what they found was the day's receipts from that restaurant. It was $800 cash. And so the man immediately knew what he needed to do. He put the cash back in the bag. He drove straight back to the restaurant, and he parked his car. He went in, found the manager, and explained the situation. He said, look, I came to get some chicken dinners. Instead, I ended up with $800 cash, and I wanted to return it to you. And the... the, the uh, Manager, the restaurant manager was so dumbfounded because he couldn't believe that somebody actually had done that. And he said, this is amazing. You, you're one of the most, uh, you know, the, the greatest integrity I've ever seen in my life. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to, uh, if, if, you know, call the local TV station and have them come out and maybe do a little uh, story on you and take your picture and that kind of thing. And the guy said, hey, I don't think that's a good idea. And he leaned into the manager and he whispered in his ear. He said, you see, the woman I'm with is not my wife. She's someone else's kind of situational integrity. You know what I'm saying? Like, like sometimes yes and sometimes no. Does it, you know, most of us probably wouldn't find ourselves in that situation. However, there are times when we kind of display uh, that situational character, situational uh, goodness at times, right? We, we know what to do, but sometimes we don't do it. It's not that we don't believe that we should do something. It's sometimes in the moment, the heat of the moment, we don't. We're in a series called Set Apart, and we're looking at some of the remaining fruits of the Holy Spirit, and these are the attributes of God that He, by His Holy Spirit, gives us, manufactures in us, so that we can live our lives a way that is set apart, different than the rest of the world as followers of Jesus. And today we're going to talk about a, a fruit of the Holy Spirit that's not talked about a lot. It's, it's called the fruit of goodness. Now, the biblical definition of goodness would be... Uh, holiness or set apart. It would be uprightness of heart. It would be, it would, it would be um, uh, godliness. And it could also, you know, in our terminology, we use, you hear it more frequently, you don't hear the word godly that much or even goodness. We hear character, we hear integrity and things like that. And so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. And the problem for most of us, again, is not that we don't believe and we don't, you know, that God's word, we don't, you know, we don't look at this and go, well, I don't really believe that. We do. As followers of Jesus, we do. And I think most of us want to live our lives in a way that honors him. But when it comes to goodness and, and doing the right thing and having integrity and character, sometimes we compromise that with that situational kind of integrity. Where in a moment where we, we know better, we still give in and we don't do what we need to do. We can compromise our integrity with the things that we say a little white lie here or there. I, I read a statistic. It was actually from a book called The Day America Told the Truth. It said that 91% of Americans said that they lie regularly. 
I mean, think about that. Nine out of ten people just as, as a normal way of just doing things. They just lie. We lie. So we lie. We, we, we compromise integrity with lying. We gossip. We, you know, we maybe exaggerate or embellish. A side note, if, if you're a fisherman, it's okay, right? It's okay. You can embellish the story. As a fisherman, I'll just tell you, you know, I've, I've, I've you know, shared little stories that probably weren't X. You know, perfectly, you know, the picture weighed 10 pounds, it, the fish was so big, you know, that kind of thing. But, but sometimes we do that. I remember when I was in sales, that was always this constant tension that I wanted to oversell. I wanted to close the deal, and so I oversold. I, I, I kind of embellished a little bit. I kind of put a little shine on it where it shouldn't have been. It's just the way it was, right? But it's not the right thing. And sometimes we compromise our integrity with our thoughts or, or with our actions, Another survey I read said that people uh, in, in America, that only 13% believe in all t- that we should uh, use all 10 commandments. And 40% said 5 out of 10 would be okay. Like we kind of, well, the ones we like to do, we think that's okay. And the ones we don't, we, we, we just ignore. That's kind of what we do. And it's not right. Again, this is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So here's what I want to do today. As we talk about goodness and character and integrity, which we should have as followers of Jesus, what we're going to do is I'm going to talk to you about what it is, and then I'm going to give you three benefits. Because there is a benefit of living with integrity, and it may be even a little bit different than what you're thinking. So let's just jump in, and let's talk about what it is. First of all, this is important, that goodness is about character first and action second. It's about character first and action second. I think this is what we do. We put the cart before the horse we assume that, that goodness is, is something that we do, when in fact, goodness is really who we are, what we are. And it's not our own goodness, as we're going to talk about in a second. It's the goodness that comes from God. But it's, it, could be said, it could be said this way, that, that, we are, that we are good not because we're perfect, but we're good because we follow God. And so when we look at goodness, excellence of character will lead to excellence of behavior. So it's not about just behavior, because I think that's what we do. We just kind of look at it and go, well, I'm going to be good. And God's saying, well, here's what you need to do. It starts in here. It's not just the actions. It's not just what you do. It's who you are. And again, it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if you haven't been with us over the last, literally since the beginning of the year, we've been kind of really digging into the, what, these fruits of the Holy Spirit. These are the, these are the characteristics of God that we have at our disposal because as followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in us, and he produces these fruits. And there are love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and goodness and, and, and others. And, and, and sometimes we forget that, and we think it's all about us, and we've got to do it. But remember that God, because it's a characteristic of God, a fruit of the Holy Spirit, it's who God is. It's what God does. God is always good. As they say, God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. God can't be bad. Everything about God is good. That's his nature. That's his character. And we have this Holy Spirit living in us because the problem for us is that, that uh, although God is good all the time and all the time God is good, we as individuals, as, as human beings, we're not good. It's not that we don't do good things occasionally, but inherently we're not good apart from God. Here's what the Apostle Paul said, now I want, to, I want you, before I read this, I want you to understand who this is. The Apostle Paul is a guy, if anybody could point to his own goodness, it'd be this guy. I mean, he wrote over a third of the New Testament. 
And yet he's honest enough to admit he doesn't have it all figured out and he's not good. Here's what he said in Romans chapter 7. He said, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is, in my sinful nature. For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. You ever feel that way? Like, I want to do the right thing, but I don't always do it. Now, if we were to continue reading on, what we'd find out is that Paul would, would kind of, he'd kind of elaborate on this struggle, and he would say, you know, I, I know what I should do. I know what's right. I know what God says I need to do, and I want to do that. I really do. From the bottom of my heart, I want to do that, but I don't always pull it off. He says, I'm in this struggle, this internal struggle, and that's the struggle that we've been talking about it's a struggle between the flesh, the old nature, and the new nature in Christ that you have. When you give your life to Jesus, you get this new nature. And these two forces are battling each other, the Scripture says. And so that when, even though I want to do good, I struggle because inherently I'm not good apart from Christ. That's what he said. Nothing good lives inside me apart from Christ. So we're not good. We have a sinful nature. We're born with a sin nature. And when we give our life to Jesus, we get that new nature. But again... There's a battle. So even though we want to do good, we don't always pull it off. And I'm going to show you what he says later, but here's what he says in addition to that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He said, God made him, and he's speaking about Jesus here, because he's saying, here's what you need to understand. The only righteousness we have, the only way that people could point to us and say that we're, we have any godliness at all is because of Jesus who lives in us. And here's what he says, God made him, speaking of Jesus, who, who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. He, he literally says, look, here's what, here's what happened. That he took Jesus, the one without sin, and he became sin for us. He paid the price for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, there's a, there's a biblical word here. There's a kind of a theological word called imputation. We're imputed something. We don't earn it. We didn't, we didn't perform for it. It is given to us. It's imputed to us by Christ. So when God looks at us as followers of Jesus, if you read the scripture, he refers to followers of Jesus as saints. Like God looks at us and calls us saints. And I know myself better than that. I couldn't call myself a saint apart from what God does. And God says we're saints, not because we're good, not because we inherently we're good, but because Jesus now, because of what he's done, God looks at us and sees our righteousness because of Christ. So this is where the tension is, right? We, we have the capacity to do good now because of Christ and be good because of Christ and the Holy Spirit living in us. But often that struggle leads us to that situational integrity where sometimes we get it right and sometimes we don't. And that's what Paul, was, that struggle that he talked about, he says, I want to do what is right, but I don't always do it. I know it's good, but I, and I should do that, but I don't always do it. And he kind of, he's kind of un, unfolding this whole idea of, of if it's only righteousness only comes from Christ. Now, I'm going to give you, kind of take you back to something that Pastor Kevin talked about last week if you were here amazing message on this thing called joy and uh, he talked about a man named Job and I want to read something about Job that that he read and I want to I want to drill down a little bit okay it says there it says there was once a man named Job who lived in the land of Uz he was blameless a man of complete integrity he feared God and stayed away from evil now the point that the first point here was goodness is about character first and action second. 
Now keep that in mind as we talk about Job. It says there was this guy named Job. He was blameless, a man of complete integrity. And then it goes on to say it was because he feared God and stayed away from evil. Now, when you read something like this, this is the guy was blameless, complete integrity. There's this, if you're not careful, what you do is that you look at a guy like Job and you go, well, he was, he was not one of us. Like he was in a special category to himself, and that's why he was blameless. Like he was perfection. No, he wasn't perfect. But the same thing was talked about by the man named Noah. Remember Noah before he built the ark? He was the only blameless person on earth. The scripture says he was, bl he was blameless. It says he had close fellowship with God. So here's the point. Blameless is not perfection. Job wasn't blameless. Job wasn't righteous because he was perfect. Job was blameless because he, even though he was a sinner, he trusted God. And there's a big difference. There's a big difference. And it, it tells us here the secret. It says he, he feared God and stayed away from evil. And I want you to notice the order of that. He feared God and stayed away from evil. It's character first, action second. He feared God and then stayed away from evil. It always starts with God. Our righteousness always starts with God. Our goodness always starts with God. We have to fear God, respect God, and then then the actions come, and when we stay away from evil. And some of us said, say, well, yeah, that's great. I've tried that a lot, but how do you do it? Like, how do you really do that? Because we've all made commitments to do the right thing and walk with God and, and, and not do what we used to do. And, and then there's that struggle where we end up doing it and we get frustrated. Well, let me show you what, what kind of... The psalmist, how he put it. And I want you to notice that there are two words here. They're the same word, but they're powerful words. They're words of commitment. He says, I will. Everybody say will. That is a powerful word. I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. Have you ever noticed that it's easier to do the right thing in public than it is in private? Like we're really good at putting on the facade of perfection, of blamelessness, and just kind of going out there and going, hey, check me out. I'm, I, I, don't, I don't do all those things. But on the inside, sometimes when, when, when we're behind closed doors, things are a little different. That's the difference between reputation and character, right? Reputation is who people think you are, character is who you really are when nobody's looking. And it's what, what the psalmist said, he said, I will, I will lead a life of integrity in my own home. I will refuse to look at anything vile and vulgar. There's an act of his will. He's saying, I'm committing to do something. But I don't know about you, but how many, how many times have I made those kind of commitments? I'm going to do this, and I'm never going to do that again. And I end up doing it. So it's not enough to just say, I'm going to do it right this time. I'm going to be good. It always starts with character first. I've got to walk with God. I've got, I've got to really develop my, my walk with God first before my actions are going to change. But let me show you how this works. Because if you're like me and you've made those commitments and haven't fulfilled those commitments of doing the right thing all the time, I will do this, I will do that, I will do that, 
and I won't do that, and, you end up, and then you end up doing it. Here's what, here's what it says in 2 Peter. By his divine power, look how it works, okay? This is how you're going to pull it off. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us by, to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. Here's what he's, here's what he's saying. He's saying the, the way that you pull this off is not in your own strength. It's not saying I'm going to make that commitment and, man, I'm going to be firm in this thing. It is by recognizing that we've been given everything we need to live the godly life. It's by Christ living in us. Goodness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And although you can do good things, you cannot be good apart from God. That is what the scripture is saying. Now, let me give you the second part. And that's this. Goodness, mean that you, goodness doesn't mean you never do wrong. It means that when you do, you make it right. It does, when we're talking about goodness, it doesn't mean that you, that you always get it right. It doesn't mean you're perfect. Aren't you glad that the standard is not perfection? Now, God calls us to be holy as he is holy and set apart and live godly lives. But it's not this idea of perfection. If it were perfection, none of us could be good. It's impossible. And that's why I think a lot of us beat ourselves up so much. And I'm not saying you just say, well, that's just, you know, hey, I made a mistake. I'm human. What, you know, what do you expect? I'm just saying that there's a difference between just giving in and living a life of sin and trying to live a godly life, trusting in the Holy Spirit. And, you know, every now and then you get off track, but for the most part, the direction of your life is toward the things of God. In, in um, Acts chapter 13, this is kind of a review on the life of an Old Testament character named David. Now, some of you know the story of David. At the time, there was a king of Israel. Israel didn't have a king for the longest time, and then they wanted a king. And God said, okay, if you want a king, um, you can have a king. So what the people did is they went and they found a guy that looked to part, and his name was Saul. But Saul wasn't God's choice. He, was, he wasn't a good king. David was God's choice. So eventually Saul, God took him out of the picture, and, and David became king. And here's what it says. It says, when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king of whom he testified and said, this is God's word about David, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. This is God speaking about David. Now, if you know David, he wasn't perfect. David was a guy who committed adultery and then, to try to cover his tracks, had the woman's husband killed, one of his best friends. This wasn't a perfect guy. This, this was a guy just, you know, he, he made a lot of mistakes. And yet his heart, God said about his heart, this is, this is a man after my own heart. He, he is seeking me. He doesn't get it right all the time. But his direction of his heart, the intent of his heart is to pursue me. This is what God's looking for us. Not perfection. But just people who are sold out to him, it doesn't mean we're going to get it right every time, but that's, that's, going, to be, that's going to be, you know, not the norm. We're going to, for the most part, we're going to be living a godly life because the Holy Spirit living in us and we're yielding to the Holy Spirit because we've been given everything we need to live a godly life in him. 
So what we have to do is we have to look at these kind of things and say, you know what, I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to make some changes. And a sign that, that I'm starting to develop the fruit of goodness and God is producing the fruit of goodness is that not that I, I'm making fewer mistakes, hopefully. I'm not sinning quite as much as I used to. But when I do mess up, I'm trying to, I'm trying to make it right. I'm, I'm, I'm confessing. I'm repenting. I'm, 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 I'm just trying to do whatever I can to try to bridge, bridge the gap. If I've hurt someone, I go to that person and make it right. And it has to come from your heart. And it's hard to do. We have to swallow our pride. We have to, we have to do whatever is necessary to make things right. I've told this story before, but when I, when I was uh, like a teenager, all the way through till I was maybe, I don't know, 18, 19, 20 years old, I, I worked at a golf course. And I just did, you know, general things on a golf course maintenance and we were issued, like, a uniform, and every, part of the uniform was you, everybody got rubber boots, because you're, it was South Florida, you're, you're, it's always, you're in a golf course, it's always dew on the ground, and we're always working around something wet, and so you had these rubber boots that came up about here, and um, anyway, so I, I worked there several years, and I finally quit, and I turned in all my, my uniforms, but I kept the boots, and uh, I wasn't a follower of Jesus at the time, but I, so I kept the boots. I didn't think any, anything of it, and I thought, well, nobody would want to put on those sweaty boots of mine anyway, so what's the difference? And they weren't expensive or anything, but it just it was a point. So I didn't think anything of it, and I quit, and anyways, went on with my life. And a, and a few years later, I, I gave my life to Christ. And then I started thinking about this kind of stuff, and I started thinking about things that I had done to people, and I had to go to some people and, and you know, admit that I had been not a good person and ask their forgiveness and and I'm kind of doing some inventory in my own heart and my life and where I'd been and what I needed to do and how I needed to try to make things right where I could and I remember I don't even know why I remember these boots and I thought you know what I stole those boots I gotta go make that right so I drove over to the place by now three or four years has gone by nobody that even works there is the same they had such a turnover there was nobody I even recognized I found the guy that was kind of the boss, and I introduced myself, and I said, hey, I used to work here. I worked here several years, and when I quit, I stole some boots. And he said, what are you talking about? And I said, rubber boots. And he said, oh, don't worry about it. I said, well, I am worried about it. I said, Can I, I want to pay, pay for those boots. He said, I don't, you're not gonna, I don't even care. I mean, no, we, we, uh. anyways, he, would not, he wouldn't take the money, but, but you know, I cleared my conscience anyways because I, I offered to do it. And I remember thinking, and he thought I was crazy. He was like, what is this guy coming back for these boots? They were $20 boots. You know, and they're, they have been, you know, who cares? But I cared because God, the Holy Spirit was convicting me. You need to make this right. And when you do those kind of things, what happens is, is that God starts developing more and more of those, that fruit in you. And, and maybe for some of us, that's what we need to do because it, it has to be from the heart. It has to be real. can't be like the guy who wrote the IRS one time. He said, dear, dear IRS, writes a letter to him. He said, um, I feel so bad. I've cheated on my taxes, and I can't sleep. And closes my check for $200. If I still can't sleep, I'll send the rest. <laughs> so that's, you know, that, it can't be that. It's got to be like all in. You know what I'm saying? It's got to be like, okay, this is. I think for some of us, what, what it would be a great exercise is to do what I'm talking about. Just kind of sit down this week and do an inventory and start thinking about things like that. And again, it's not that you always got it right because we don't. 
But when we have within our power to make it right, we need to go and make it right. Some of us need to go have a conversation with somebody because we didn't act in a good way around that person. Or maybe you maybe did. Maybe you took something that didn't belong to you. And you need to make that right. See, when you take those steps, I think God meets us and God gives us more of his grace and shows us that he is moving in our lives. Let me show you an example from the Bible how this works. In Luke 19, 8, we're introduced to this guy named Zacchaeus. You might know that name. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Wee little man was he? Let's all sing it together. No, it is not, let's not sing it if you don't know that song. Anyways, this guy, he was shorter than everybody else, and Jesus was coming to his town, and so he wanted to see Jesus, so he climbed in a tree. Anybody know what kind of tree it was? Sick, I knew you were going to do that. I got this song stuck in your head now. Okay. Anyway, so here's what it says. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus, now he's a tax collector, which means he, he cheats people for a living. That's what he did. He, you know, in those days, um, tax collectors were Jewish people who, took taxes from the Jews and gave it to the Romans, and they were allowed, if, if the tax was 20%, they were allowed to tack on whatever they want. So they might charge 25 30% to their fellow Jews, which was, so they were hated because they were making a commission on everything. Anyways, Jesus comes into town. He sees Zacchaeus up there in a the tree, calls him down, says, hey, I want to go to your house today. I want to have fellowship with you. His life was changed and says this. It says, Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. See, part of when you make it right is this thing called restitution. And that's just where you go back and you, and you just say, Hey, if, if I've taken from you, I want to give it back. And in his case, with interest. Guys, there's just something very freeing and liberating when you get to that point where you're just saying, I'm going to mend some fences and build some bridges that I have torn down in my life with things I've done. I can't change everything, but what I can do, I'm going to do. Now, let me show you the, I'm going to give you the three benefits because you might be going, well, that's all nice, but why should I bother? Why, what is the benefit of living a good life? a life of integrity. Well, the Bible talks about this a lot. But let me give you three ways. One of them is legacy. Your legacy that you'll leave. Here's what it says. I'm just going to give you scripture. I'm not going to elaborate on any of these. In Proverbs 10, 7, all this comes from the Proverbs. We have happy memories of the godly, but the name of a wicked person rots away. I'm doing a celebration of life service this, this weekend coming up for a godly man. And people are going to gather and they're going to remember a life well lived. In Proverbs 20, verse 7, it says, The godly walk with integrity. Blessed are their children who follow them. I want to leave that kind of legacy for my kids, my grandkids, that they know that their dad, their pop, is going to do the right thing, hopefully every time. But even when he doesn't, he's going to try to make things right. In Proverbs 14, 34, it says, Godliness makes a nation great. But sin is a disgrace to any people. Our country was founded on godly principles, and as we move off kilter, we're feeling the effects of it. Legacy is the first one, stability. When you live a good life, there's stability. It's Proverbs 10.25 says, When the storms of life come, the wicked are whirled away, but the godly have a lasting foundation. 
Proverbs 24, 16 says, The godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. But one disaster is enough to overthrow the wicked. And the third thing that you can have when you live a goodness, have goodness in your life, is that you have a better life, a higher quality of life. The Proverbs 10, 6 says, The godly are showered with blessings. And Proverbs 13, 9 says, The life of the godly is full of light and joy. I don't know about you, but those are the kind of things that I want in my life. Those are the, one of things, the, the kind of things that I want to, to leave behind when I'm gone. I want this idea that he wasn't a perfect person, but he was a blameless person because he walked with God. He was a sinner who walked with God. And his righteousness was not on his own because he couldn't muster that up. It was through Christ's righteousness that he lived that life. That's what I want said about me, don't you? And the only way that happens is when we yield to Christ. See, all of these fruits of the Holy Spirit, if you've given your life to Jesus, they're, all, they're at your disposal. They are inside of you. The, the, the way they come out is when we yield to the Holy Spirit who lives in us, that fruit is, met, is, is manufactured by him, not by us. I don't have to try to make it happen. I just, I just let him live through me. And it will come out. Again, I don't get it right all the time. Matter of fact, I don't get it right a lot of the times. But I want to. I want that to be the mark of my life. So here's what I want to I close before we get to baptisms, and that is that there's some of you here today that have never, never even given your life to Jesus. You've never said yes. You've never placed your faith. You've never committed your life. And you're, and you're battling through life, because I know, because it took me a long time to get there before I gave my life to Christ. I know the feeling. I know what it's like to lay your head down at the pillow at night and not know uh, you know, what is the purpose of life? What would happen if I die? All those things that whirl around in your mind when you don't know Christ, I, 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 I've been there. And I'm just telling you, when you make a decision to follow Jesus and you go all in, life is different. You're not going to be perfect. But there's going to be a new direction in your life. There's going to be forgiveness. There's going to be salvation. There's going to be all the things in life that you're looking for, including the fruits of the Holy Spirit. So if you're here today, you're watching online, you've never given your life to Jesus, do that today. If you've already done that, maybe what you need to do is go like I did and do that inventory. And you don't just do it once. You've got to continually do this because I do a lot of wrongs to a lot of people even now. I need to continue to keep that process going of, of confessing, repenting, restitution, and whatever I need to do to make things right. Maybe that's what you need to do. Go home and make a list. And then follow up on that list and every single name on there and said, I did this to you. I said this to you. I acted this way around you. I took this from you. I did this or that. And you make it right. And you watch what God does in your life. I want to pray and maybe your, your decision today is that you just need to be courageous enough to say, I'm going to follow. I've given my life to Jesus sometime in the past. Maybe it was today. Maybe just now. You're saying, that's what I want to do, and you're going to you commit your life to Christ today. Maybe you did it decades ago, but you never took that step, like what Sharon was talking about. She was in the back, and she was, you know, she, she wasn't even planning on doing it that day, but she followed obediently to what God was calling her to do. Maybe that's you. So let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. You are the example. We're not, we're not godly on our own. We're not righteous on our own. You said there's none righteous, no, not one. On our best day, we miss you by a mile and your standard of perfection, but thank you, God, that you have become righteousness for us, Jesus. Now when you see us, God, you see us as saints, 
you see us as, as holy and righteous and your children, and I'm thankful for that, but I know there are people that probably in this room are watching online that have never experienced that, but they want to, and they're willing to commit their lives to you, and if that is you today, why not just lift up a prayer, maybe like this, Jesus, I place my life in your hands. I confess my sin, and I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. And I'm committing my life to you today. So take my life and change me from the inside out. Lord, for those on the fence and they, they know they need to follow through in baptism and they're just, they're hanging on for dear life and they're thinking, I'm, I'm just, I'm not, they've got all the excuses, all the reasons why today's not the perfect day. And I'm praying that God, your Holy Spirit would show them it is the right day. So God, move in power. Do what only you can do, God. And I pray, God, that you would continue to touch the hearts of your people. In the name of Jesus.